I think one of the biggest things that I have always tried to understand or grasp in my heart is, okay, God, like, you're teaching me all of these things. Now, what does that have to do with what's going on in the world and what's going on on the earth? And one of the biggest burdens of my heart right now has been just the conflict with Israel and Palestine and, and Hamas and all of that and just really moving my heart to a deeper level of intercession in the midst of that. And if you don't know what intercession is, it's literally just pray for other people. And so my heart has been really stirred up by that. But I've I've watched myself try to rationalize it and then try to go to the Bible and rationalize it and all of these things. And I realized, like, as I was reading scripture, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm just wherever you are, Lord. Like, my side is the side of you, and I'm not going to try to pick any other thing other than where you would sit. And I know that's hard for, for a lot of us to understand is, like, does God choose a side? And the answer to that is yes, because you see it throughout the Bible. But I truly believe that my heart in the midst of this needs to be more moved by intercession for people than by a political agenda or a right or a wrong at this point. And so one of the biggest things that I've been doing is just really spending a lot of time choosing to pray for all people and not choosing to, sorry, I'm trying to like change this so that I can actually see my, my notes, but actually choosing people above all versus choosing an agenda and that's hard for the church it's hard for the body of christ to be like oh we're gonna choose this but i've i've realized in my heart that as i lock in an intercession in love that i've gotten more of the lord's heart for what's going on than any than any news article or somebody's political opinion and so personally one thing the Lord reminded me to do was to go read Ezekiel. And I, I was, he challenged me to do this in the beginning of the year is to read the book of Ezekiel. And I've been lazy. I'm not going to try to sit here and play and be like, Oh, I've been so good about it. I've been so diligent. Like that's, I'm not one of those girls. Like I'm very, like I'm very self-controlled in other, other places of my life. Like I'm the girl that can like, eat half a burger and then sit there and figure out if I still want to eat the other half like I can be very self-controlled in that but I'm not very self-controlled and like I need to really dive into something into like biblical scripture that the Lord has told me sometimes I'm like really good about it and then other times I'm like I am sucking it up today but this is something that the Lord challenged me to do January 1st and then brought it back to me and was like are you going to do that or what and so I started reading in Ezekiel again I had gotten to like Ezekiel 11 and then I just kind of like stopped which is like 11's where it gets really good but I've just been I'm trying to find the words because this is this is going to be a little bit deeper than what we usually go into so just reading Ezekiel and understanding it and under looking at what's going on in the earth I don't one thing about me is I don't believe in coincidences I don't believe in them. I actually believe that that things happen for a specific reason. And you can argue that, you can figure that out in your own heart, but that's just personally me. Like throughout my life, there's there are moments where I'm like, that can't just happen out of nothing. That's not a chance. That's not a coincidence. 
that's the Lord. And so there's just different things like that. And so I, I've just been reading Ezekiel and then translating into what's going on on the earth. And I, I'm not dumb. Like I've seen and had people send me so many things about like, it's the end times and this is what's going on. And, and everybody's kind of getting a little freaked out because nobody, let's actually all be honest. None of us actually wanted to be the ones to have to endure the tribulation. You know what I mean? Like whether we go, whether we don't go, whatever happens, like all of us were like, please don't let me be the generation. Don't let me be the generation. Like that was literally my prayer. When I was like 10, I was praying out like, God, please do not let me be in the left behind generation. Please no. Please no. That was that was my cry. And so, but I'm like watching what's going on in the earth and like people have been asking me, okay, what like what's my heart cry and what what am I praying out besides just praying for people, for innocent people to know Jesus and to be protected. What is also my heart cry and my heart cry in this hour has been, Jesus needs you to open the scroll. Jesus, like there is, there has been tumultuous times on this earth, and as I've read your word about all of these other places where God either was like, "Oh, it's so perverse, I am just gonna rain down fire," I we're wiping that out, we are just gonna send a flood. Like there, there have been so many times in the Bible where you can see it, where God's like, "No, that's not it," and so I've just been like, I. I, my heart knows, like we all know biblically that Jesus has already come. So the next coming needs to be Jesus to come back. And so that has been my heart cry. And so as I've been like diving into Ezekiel, that cry has sounded and resounded louder than ever before in my heart and in my secret place. It hasn't been, there hasn't been a moment where I've been in a secret place where I haven't either left in complete tears and can't utter a word. Or I haven't left with complete joy and can't utter a word. There, 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 I mean, there is nothing. There, literally, it's been those two things for the past like three or four weeks. That's it. And so as the Holy Spirit has prompted me to go back into Ezekiel, I've been like learning about it and trying to understand it. And how does that translate to us? How do we take scripture of what has already happened and then translate it in? to our current situation and here's what i want to explain i want to break this down how i'd break it down bible study so ezekiel is an exile ezekiel was supposed to be a prophet and was supposed to be in the temple but then they he gets taken he gets taken with a bunch of people and he gets taken to babylonian babylonian babylon i literally want to say babylonian but babylon he gets taken to babylon and he's like upset and what happens is Ezekiel gets a vision. He gets a vision of the glory of the Lord, which in the glory of the Lord is the four living creatures. And then there's like a table thing that's almost like it's the four living creatures are holding up the throne of God. That's what he's seeing. And if you want to read it, you can go into and read Ezekiel, like just start at Ezekiel one and just start running through it. And you'll be like, whoa. And if you're really like, how do I read this? How do I understand it? I always read my Bible in this way. I read it in ESV. ESV has slowly become one of my favorite like translations of the Bible. ESV is where I start from. And then if I don't really like it, I don't understand what's going on or it's not really hitting my heart, then I will read the same chapter again in the New Living Translation. So the NLT, I'll just jump back and forth to understand it. And especially in Ezekiel and in these books where they're talking about a lot of heavy things 
it's kind of easier to come from ESV and then go over to NLT because the double reading is going to help you understand it. But also just reading it in a different way always helps. So if you need to go into a simpler translation after you read it in ESV, because you want to try to read it as closely to text as you can, like, and then, and I know it's not like all of this text is completely accurate. Like I'm not reading it in the the original Hebrew. So, but I just think that if you're, if you can jump from that and then go over and then write down your thoughts about that, it hits your heart a little bit differently. But so I'm I'm reading this, and this is what's happening, right? Glory of the Lord shows up. You see the four living creatures, which are literally holding up this the throne. And what Ezekiel sees is he doesn't see God, because you know in the Bible that like most of the time, if you saw God, like you were probably gonna die because the glory would overtake you. Like you see in um when Moses, when Moses goes up to the mountain, right? It says that the glory of the Lord was there, and he had to shield his eyes. Like, like that's just what that's what it is. So, the same thing. He doesn't see a face. He doesn't see. He just sees like some. He says he sees some human-like structure on this throne, and there's glory. There's just light, which is the glory of the Lord. And Ezekiel is trying to figure out, okay, why is the glory over Babylon? And he's like, this doesn't make sense. And so as you dive into Ezekiel, what you'll learn is that one God has this vision, tells Ezekiel all this stuff. He like has to go out and do some crazy stuff, some crazy stuff, which is a testament to a lot of us. Like, I don't think a lot of us would do what Ezekiel had to go do in the streets. But so he goes out and does that. And then the Lord brings back like another vision. But what you see is in Ezekiel 11 is um, the promised return of Israel, which is the chapter that's really like, ooh really like hit my heart lately and so what what you learn before that though is in the beginning of 11 and i believe it's oh no in eight in eight nine and ten um you see the lord speak to ezekiel and tell him about all these other idols and all these other things that are in the temple and all these other lovers that are in the temple and then in 10, what you see is it's literally called the glory departs from the temple, which is why Ezekiel sees the glory of the Lord over Babylon. Because of all the wickedness that had happened before, the Lord could not be in the temple anymore. Which, when you, under, when you understand that in the context of our relationship with the Father, it really switches the way that you, you engage with a relationship with God. Because a lot of times I think that we we look at our relationship as a compromise instead of a relationship of honesty and sincerity and repentance. And I truly believe that God is asking for more sons and daughters who live without compromise. Living without compromise is actually not as hard as you think it is when your eyes are locked on the one above. It's It's not. And so what God is really teaching you about himself is it you're learning a, a new part of his nature, a new p- characteristic of the father, right? Is that he cannot be around sin. He can't do it. He will go somewhere else if idols are worshipped in his place, if compromise has taken its rightful place, if comfortability has sat on the stage, he will leave and he will go, I can't. That's what you see 
coming out. That's what you could take in today's culture from Ezekiel 10 is, whoa, if my heart is not pure, if my offering is not pure, if we are not locked in love to the one above and that's it, he's going to leave, which is really hard for some of us to understand. It's like, what do you mean his glory is going to leave? His glory will leave. It will leave. It will go to the place where he will be worshipped above all. That's it. That is it. And so, breaking down Ezekiel 11, and and I'm just coming from my own heart. This is what the Lord has shown me. I'm just going to share this, and then I'm going to share a word that the Lord gave me this morning. And hopefully it helps you. Ooh, hopefully it helps you. But in Ezekiel 11, it talks about judgment on the leaders of Israel and things like that. But then in the last half, in 16 through 25, it's where the Lord talks about the promised return of Israel. And one thing you're going to see throughout Ezekiel is this, is that the Lord continually brings back covenant. He continually goes, but I will still build covenant, but I will. And I think that's the biggest thing that I, I had to really hit in my heart is that it has nothing to do with me. He loves my heart for him. He loves when I lavish my love on him, when I pour all my oil out at his feet. But even if I didn't do it, he still would. That, that right there. But we're going to go to 18. This is where the Lord really, really got me together. And it says this. It says, they will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove them from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then it goes on uh, and it says, they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And and it goes, it gets deeper and then you'll read some other things. But that part of the verse, I was like, okay, God, there is something on this. There is oil on this. Like I can feel it. And I don't know what you're really trying to speak. If you ever are like, there's something on this, God, just ask him. Okay, what were you speaking? What are you speaking to my heart? How does this correlate to me right now? And what I really got for today, for myself, for this generation is this, is that when you lock in love with him, when you lay it all down, when you come with the purity of heart, he will give you an undivided heart. That you'll look at conflict and you'll go, I see you. I see that you're right here at the midst of this. You will give me a heart that won't compromise. And the other thing that really, really got to me is this. It says, I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And I was explaining it to this week in this way of, I believe that a lot of people have hearts of stone because they believe they know everything. That there is no wonder in his presence, that there is no imagination when it comes to understanding like how God is doing things or or how God is moving there that our hearts have have gotten so stone-hearted because we believe no and that our opinions are more important because hearts of flesh are tender hearts they're tender hearts they're hearts that are moved when he is moved there are hearts that 
that's that can sing about the cross and weep every time and for me i know my heart is tender when i have to sing a song and it starts talking about literally my favorite line this is my favorite line and every and any song literally any song it's they're on a cross they made for sinners every single time i have to sing that i weep because i realize how beautiful the gift of the cross is of what jesus did for me and that takes a tender heart a tender heart is weeping at the cross is weeping at the gift of jesus and so if we're looking at that verse and we're going whoa okay is my heart tender (laughs) is my heart tender do i think about what jesus did for me and am i moved or do i go okay that's nice and what the lord is trying to do is he's trying to restore his bride back it's the thing that i don't think we talk about enough or that we don't revel in enough it's the bridegroom it is so important to understand that he is coming for his bride that we are his bride and that he loves us that we are his beloved and that his heart is moved in love for us. And so I've just been like asking God to show me the parts of my heart that are compromised and in my hardness in my heart, right? Of what that could look like. And yeah, it's just been crazy. But I got this word this morning that I'm just going to speak and just let it be what it is. But I got this word this morning. And it was so holy, like, just so holy when he gave it to me. And I get words all the time, but there aren't words that I get that I go, whoa, okay. And here's the word. It says, I'm coming for my bride, not the one made up in comfort, but the bride of my word. Gone are the days of compromise. There's too much at stake. Gone is the abuse of grace. I'm coming for my ones. The ones who have everything. Sorry. The ones who have sung the songs that I have sang over them. The ones who have given everything. The ones who followed me to foreign lands. The ones with honest hearts. The ones who know the cost of oil. I'm coming for the bride. So here I am. Ready your hearts, O devoted ones. Ready your oil. And as I was like writing it, I could just feel his presence. Like I like was shaking because I was like, whoa, what is going on? But also as I'm writing this, I'm just asking the father like, okay, how much more? Like one, how much more time? But like, How should I explain to people to get their oil ready? And all he said was, tell them to look to me. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, hey, what does it mean to look to you? I just thought of it. I instantly thought of it. Because for me, I never go and do communion without a pure heart. Without, I I don't know if if we understand that, but like without compromise. And so 
one of the things that I want to do is actually take communion. And I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Like, I'm going to pause and give you time. Whatever you have, whether it's water, whether it's juice, whether it's a small cracker or a piece of bread, I, I don't really care at this point. But I, I want you to go and get those elements and we're going to take communion together. But before we take communion, we're going to ready our hearts. Because I really feel like what God has been showing me is like, one, like, <laughs> teach my bride how to be my bride, but also teach them the beauty of the repentance and the beauty of the communion. And so I'm going to pause. I want you to go get whatever you need, whether you have water or a cracker or whatever. And I want you to get into a heart posture or a literal position for you if you need to, on your knees or on your face, whatever it needs to look like. And we're going to take communion. So go do it. I literally had to leave. I knew that I was going to do communion, but I forgot where I put my communion cup in. And I realized it was not in the bag next to me. It is in the other room. Um, I am blessed enough to have a church that gives us communion cups in our prayer room. So I take one every week. Some people might be like, what do you mean you take communion every week? But the Lord has really been challenging um, to take communion every week. But so we're going to, we're just going to dive into this. Let me close this and open up some things really fast. Woo. Okay. I don't know if I can open this. Wait, I think I can do it. I think I can do this. Yes, I got it. Okay. Got the... Look at this juice. I feel like the worst part of communion cups is like, I'm always scared that I'm going to open up the the juice and it's just going to splatter all over and I'm going to just be sitting there and the blood of his body just like I tried my best alright I'm just going to put those right there um, I'm, I'm just going to lead us in a time of just purifying our hearts not anything big I'm not going to be like trembling on the floor but we're just going to go if you would just like open up your hands. God, we come in our postures. The postures of our hearts. Of forgiveness. We lay down every other idol that is not of you. We lay down compromise. We lay down sin. We lay down the things that have given us um, we lay down the places where we've used grace to manipulate our relationship with you God and we come humbly before you as sons and daughters to say here's our whole heart again here it all is Whether I have much to give or I have nothing, here it all is. 
And we thank you for what your son did on the cross. That we get to have a beautiful relationship with you because of his love. The greatest gift, the greatest gift I've ever known is Jesus. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of his body broken and bruised. Thank you. We apologize for any other idol that we thought could take his place, that we thought could be as beautiful or spotless as the lamb. God, we lay aside our hardened hearts, our opinions, our need to know it all, to be childlike, to be the bride. How we lay it all down on. We lay it all down at your feet. For there is nothing, there is nothing more worthy. There is nothing more beautiful than you. We thank you if you have your bread. I just want you to lift it up. I don't want you to just hold it in your hand, but I want you to lift it up. We thank you for the bread of your body. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every lash that you took. Thank you that we get to come in communion to take part for what you have done. For the broken is on that cross. Oh, we thank you for it. We do this in remembrance of you. In remembrance of you. Alright, if you have shoes i feel like i got chips like if you can see this right now there is like a quarter missing whatever all right inflation here we go but we thank you for i have to go into this again we thank you for the blood of your body spilled out for each and every one spilled out for each and every one of us god Jesus, we thank you for the for what you did on the cross. And would we never, ever take it for granted? Would we never take your blood spilled out for granted again? We just thank you so much for who you are, Jesus. We thank you, God, for sending your son. For sending your son. There's nothing better. 
There's no other gift more whole than what Jesus did for us. We thank you for this time that we have spent with you. And would it mark our hearts today? Would it mark our hearts? And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Man, I'm like literally looking like a hot mess right now. Just weeping everywhere. I wish I could be a girl. I wish I could be one of those girls that like, you know, doesn't weep all the time. Like sometimes I wish I could be that girl that doesn't weep all the time. And then sometimes I'm like, it's cool that I'm the girl that's like always, you know, I'm the one that like gets up off the floor and is like, there's just tears streaming down my face and I need to like blow my nose all the time. I'm okay with that, you know? Because I wonder what it's like for the people that, like, aren't moved. Sorry, that might be triggering. But I just, I really wonder sometimes, because I'm like, this it's just too beautiful. He's just too good to not be moved in tears, or to not be moved in, like, surrender, or some type of emotion towards the Father that's good. I don't, I don't, it just must, that must be a burden. I'm sorry if you're not moved in tears by the Father, like, I pray that over you today. Like, would you get the gift of tears? Would you get the gift of being awestruck by him? Because I'm telling you, it's wild. It's, I mean, I used to get really annoyed by it because I'd be like, my makeup's getting messed up. But now I'm like, ruin my makeup. Just ruin it. It's lit. So I just, I don't know. I just wonder that sometimes. I'm like, man. Think about not crying over over Jesus. That must suck. But I hope you guys have a good week. I'm sorry if you're like a hot mess on the floor right now. Because I am. But it's been... It's, it's been such a beautiful time. I'm so excited. I, I forgot to do this in the beginning. I always forget to do something in the beginning. And now I'm like realizing... We have been recording episodes for the Jesus Revival podcast. Which is the podcast... Um, my sister and I are doing together and she is the greatest well like she doesn't think she is she thinks she's like I'm just a worship but she is the greatest well of of love and knowledge and motherhood like if if you're somebody that's like I want to be mothered I need like a mentor in my life this podcast is really going to be one of those things that really encourages you because she's just such a mother in ways that I can't be because she's physically a mother like but she gets that, and she also just, she's ferocious. Like, she's a play about Jesus. She's, this is where we're very much the same in the justice spirit. But she is ferocious. And, like, I think my favorite thing about her is, I love that this has now become a, a shout-out to my sister. But my favorite thing about her is her reckless abandonment for the Father. And I mean reckless in the way of, like, what we would think is crazy. She does not give a rip about what you think about her or Jesus. She stands on that stage with a pure heart every single time and goes, I don't know if I want to be here today, but I'm going to worship you. I'm feeling off today, but I'm going to worship you. She, I just love her so much. She's the one that spins. Her and David, I know when we get to heaven, they will be like best friends because they'll be like, let's just, let's get undignified for a little while here. That's just who she is. And I love it. So I'm, we've been recording those episodes and I'm so excited because we're talking about so many good things like compromise and we're going to go into 
just explaining Martin Luther and the these and how we correlate that to the these of the church today and and justice and how Jesus is literally revival and and how we want to see the return of the Lord. But I'm so excited for that to come out, which is going to be, I believe, in about two weeks if we have everything together. And it, it could come out next week, but we're stretching ourselves. But I just I just know that there's going to be something beautiful that comes out of that. And so if you're like, I need a podcast where I am mothered, that's going to be it. Just that one. It's going to be great. My nieces are coming out an episode. You're probably going to get real convicted because one of them just, she just tears you up. So I'm just really excited about this. And I, that's all I got. I believe that was, that was what I was supposed to do. That was like the little sticky note that I lost, of course. But um, I hope you guys have a amazing day. I'm going to go redo my hair. I'm not excited. So have a good one. We'll see you next week.